I do not see how a situation where Raj is going to be managing Ireland before Paulie. Paul's next. In my eyes, what's coming down the line, I would suggest that Raj might have to hold on. Subscribe to the Rugby Stream on the OTB Sports app now. Off the ball, daily. Now then, you're very welcome along. Busy show. There is lots happening, not least in the Premier League. Final day of the season. We'll bring you live commentary of Everton against Bournemouth with Brian Kerr alongside Stephen Doyle. Everton are in control of their own destiny and they are hoping to consign Leeds and Leicester to the Championship. On the GEA front, it is D-Day in Munster Hurling. Limerick have Cork at the Gaelic Grounds in what is effectively a playoff. Somebody's season is done. That is at four o'clock. At two o'clock, Tipperary need to take care of business at home to Waterford. Also uh, busy in Leinster, including Wexford Kilkenny at two o'clock. Wexford are fighting for survival. Uh, Dublin take on Galway at Crow Park. That's also at two o'clock. We'll have Rhino Dwyer at Croker with us this hour. James O'Connor is at the Gaelic Grounds. Tom Dempsey is at Wexford Park. And then on the football front, Mossy Quinn is at Crow Park as well as Dublin take on Roscommon at four. So there is plenty happening. Meanwhile, we will review the Sunday papers. We'll do that at two o'clock today. Shane Keegan and Keen Tracy here in studio. 53106, as ever, is the text number. Add off the ball on Twitter is where you'll get us. Aidan Delaney here in studio. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Joe. Uh, so we are busy to <laughs> say very. Uh, the very least. Let's, um, and I know you're jumping off on your news round with it, let's just cast an eye back to last night in Cape Town because it's fair to say Munster have more than turned around what was looking like a tricky season. They certainly did. I mean, I was watching the, the playoff final and we were talking about it, obviously, on the show. We had Rory O'Connor coming from Cape Town yesterday and he was pretty positive that Munster could do something. But, I mean, in the backyard of the champions, you know, having to go literally across the world to play this game. I mean, you kind of felt like Munster were really up against it, even though they have had a, a really brilliant couple of weeks. And I was kind of thinking, will they even bother throwing this game on? And I'm, I'm glad I did in the end because Munster, you know, they just blew the Stormers away and particularly when Libok goes in for that try you just think you know we saw this with Connacht Connacht put up a really nice fight and then you know a bit of broken play we have you know the Stormers just kind of getting out in front there and, and I really thought when that Libok try went in I thought well maybe that might be it but Munster you know that that kind of famous history that they have the stand up and fight attitude we really saw that and the lovely lovely try that John Hodnett gets in the end and you know I saw his post-match interview as well where he let a couple of F-bombs off but uh, you know well he deserves it as well he's been somebody that's really come on this year and a lot of people have been saying you know maybe he might be somebody who might sneak onto an Irish squad as we head to the World Cup um, so yeah an absolutely brilliant game and we're delighted to see that Munster are, are now back and to finally get that trophy off the back we were talking yesterday myself and John about Peter Romani not actually having a trophy with Munster even though he's been you know kind of a leader for them for the last 10-12 years and and you know just just brilliant for him brilliant for Keith Earls maybe saying goodbye now you know brilliant for Conor Murray to not only stand up and start that game but to really kind of control the flow as well so just brilliant for them You have some Graham Rowntree for us We do yeah he's expressed gratitude to the province's fans following yesterday's United Rugby Championship final Munster winning their first trophy in 12 years that was that 19 point to 14 victory over the Stormers John Hodnett scoring that late try as I mentioned and Rowntree was delighted Thanks ever so much for the travelling months of the support. Unbelievable scenes as we drove into the stadium. There's a sea of red flags awaiting us. Thanks for all the support back home. Um, been brilliant. Just keep it going, lads. John Duggan with us as well. It was quite something at the full-time whistle, the coaching box 
jumped up and down old bar Graham Rentree who sat and put his hands to his face a man I suspect drained jubilant contented uh, but drained as well by the enormity of it in his first season as head coach yeah, Joe and Aidan good afternoon yes and that's one thing I definitely noticed at the time when I was watching it and he deserves great credit it was a really important win for Munster 12 years too long for a province that has such a heritage and there's two things I kind of picked up from the day on a helicopter basis the Munster brand is still great it's still deeply embedded the people went down there fair play to them you know that's not not cheap to go down to South Africa and you could see the passion in the crowd and it's like a Richard Harris remember was at Twickenham back in 2000 and with Peter O'Toole and showing his Munster jersey and it never leaves you I think that's it's really rooted in, in, in the province that's the first thing I kind of took out of it the second thing I took out of it is this is good for Ireland because Andy Farrell needs options and in Jack Crowley and John Klein at the moment he has a couple of options now and will need options obviously there's a big training panel going to be announced this week um, 10 of the Leinster team started the England game in the Grand Slam but we do need options after what happened uh, against La Rochelle if we're going to be competitive to be a contender to win the World Cup and Munster need to be strong and provide those options and I think that those options are probably better than they were a year ago Yeah uh, Peter O'Reilly in the Sunday Times uh, one of many I think who was blown away by Jack Crowley's performance as you mentioned John so he said Crowley seemed to be playing the game at his specially ordained pace gliding over the heavy surface effortlessly testing the Stormers by passing the ball under their noses and that line passing the ball under their noses conjured up all these images of the game last night in my head certainly I mean talk about playing flat to the line and being brave and in control of proceedings I mean he was seriously good that was a hell of a performance it's been interesting fortnight in the lives you suspect of Ross Byrne and Crowley with a view to the World Cup so we'll watch that space Keen Tracy will be in with us later on the papers I suspect he'll have uh, plenty to say but uh, big picture totally agree on the Munster brand and uh the images, I suppose, of Earls and O'Mahony in particular. Uh, Nobody out. deserves it more than O'Mahony. Mm. We, it would have been very strange if he'd gone through an entire career and not won a trophy. Yeah. It starts at Munster. Yeah. Ireland has had a rich run of success, um, but it starts at Munster. And they all grew up idolising the Munster players that went to Twickenham in 2000 and lost and then eventually broke through in 2006 and like, as once this once again will inject a degree of acceleration into Munster now mm. feeling that they've got the confidence to become contenders in the Champions Cup again Yeah and like they bossed that game you know Gavin Coombs that try should not have been disallowed I don't think yeah. and uh, Stormer scored a breakaway intercept try in the first what was it 2-3 minutes a fresh pass so really you know those two things go the other way which they easily could have and this would have been a very comprehensive win I mean half time Munster should have been way ahead and that actually gave you an eerie feeling akin to Leinster La Rochelle that it's not going to be their day but they were full value for the win and um, like I said we'll talk about it in a bit more detail with Keane Tracy Just just before we go away from Crowley I mean it's it's probably unfair to keep you know, keep mentioning his name alongside Ross Byrne, but I thought the just the lovely little chip pass that he had for Shane Daly's try mm. that was very Ross Byrne, like when Byrne first emerged on the stage for Leinster. And yeah. I just think that maybe Ross Byrne has lost that little bit of creativity now. Maybe he is too a bit uh, process driven, and 
and there is that little bit of a spark kind of akin to when Joey Carberry first emerged on the scene there as well that Jack Crowley isn't afraid to try things and like you say he is flat to the mat he doesn't matter if he's going to get hit he's he's ready to do it for the team and, and just that lovely chip pass I thought was that's that's really encouraging because that's what we want to see that little bit of a spark that could be the difference maker in a World Cup if yeah. he comes on 60 minutes gone I mean it, it, it's hard to know where Rossburn is I don't think we should be too harsh on him no. but on Crowley and the kick yeah you go through phases in your career where those things come off mm-hmm. and they're coming off for him now and uh, he'll be feeling very very good about life I would think to say the least so that's the rugby we have final day of what has been both uh, literally and then also uh, just in a figurative uh, feel kind of a way the longest Premier League season of all time Um, so we're back we're down to what our final 10 matches yeah they're all kicking off at half past four as is tradition Manchester City have already been crowned champions of course and both Newcastle United and Manchester United have secured Champions League qualification along with Arsenal so the focus is on the bottom of the table today Southampton are already relegated and two of Everson Leicester City and Leeds United will join them in the championship next season Everson hold that two point lead over both Leeds and Leicester so if they beat Bournemouth at Goodison Park they will survive if the Toffees slip up though Leicester have the advantage if they can get a win at home to West Ham while Leeds know they must beat Tottenham and hope that other results go their way Fellas we've been playing uh, since uh, July Community Shield will go right through until June FA Cup so literally not a month of the last 12 has been without an English football fixture one of these things that I'm about to read is from last season the rest are all this season you've to spot the odd one out Okay. Antonio Conte versus Thomas Tuchel on the touchline Graeme Potter was Brighton manager. Deli Alley was playing for Everton. Bruno Lage was the Wolves manager. Leeds were third under Jesse Marsh. Ronaldo interviewed by Piers Morgan. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, the, the Ronaldo interview was last year? That was November. Ah, oh, no. <laughs> I thought season. it was before the World Cup. You, you definitely won. Oh, it's a trick question. You spotted it. Ah, They're all from this season. Damn it. (laughs) But I mean, you you were thinking for a second. Yeah, yeah. No, I was thinking, yeah. No, I read the article. (laughs) (laughs) Well then. Yes. Hot tip to Jonathan Northcroft. (laughs) I knew you're you're like, hmm. Yeah, yeah. I wonder, would I have got you before you read it this morning? I Uh, I always read Northcroft first thing on a Sunday. I would have, I I mean, Conte Thomas Tuchel feels like a different era. Yeah. This season. (laughs) It has been a long old season. It has been. The World Cup as well. They've been in the middle of it too. Yeah. Um, I think it's been a great season, like thoroughly enjoyable. The other stat, by the way, in that Northcroft piece right at the end, which jumped out to me, you know, just when you think about the 12 months and how Arsenal's squad, for instance, has really faltered and, and has shown up to be just a touch uh, threadbare. Only two Manchester City outfield players have started 28 or more Premier League games, Rodri and Haaland. So the rest of the City players have had 10 or more Premier League games with their feet up. Mm. That really encapsulates the strength and depth of that yes. squad. But on the whole, good season, enjoyable season. Yes, and I, I'm one of these people. I do see sport as a degree of escapism. Um, at times, uh, the, there can be a lot of debate around the UAE and Manchester City, and, and that's obviously has its place and it's worthy at times. But the way they play the game is 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 very very impressive. Arsenal were the bolters. They were the surprise team this season. They really gave it a great shot. Yeah. But the problem for them is there'll be regret because there's no guarantee they're going to win the league. I know as a Spurs fan in in 2016 we could have won the league in 17 we were second, haven't won the league championship, haven't won a trophy. So the, the worry for Arsenal is that United will get stronger, Newcastle will get stronger, Liverpool and Chelsea will not have the seasons that they've had, especially because Pochettino in the last hour has a, apparently agreed a three year deal. And he's apparently signed the contract. 
become the new Chelsea manager. So even as, as strong as City are, if you took Guardiola out of City now, you wonder if that project would collapse a bit. The really interesting question. Certainly would be a drop, has to be a drop. I feel like he's hit new heights even himself this year. But uh, collapse is too strong. But it's hard to believe they would be as dominant under anybody else. Yes, it's five out of six. But you can feel the because of the money that's around at the Saudis and Newcastle. United and Liverpool will always have money. Mm. Chelsea have money. Therefore... Arsenal of a war chest. It's going to be even a better season next season. No, I was just going to say, like, it was a good season and the quality of football has been uh, great on so many occasions. You know, just keeps getting better and better. But it does feel like next season is poised to be bumper. Absolutely. I think because you are expecting so many other teams to get better and it'll be really interesting to see where Brighton kind of strengthen in the summer. You know, if, if they're able to keep a couple of their players will they be able to keep up a European shot I think they're in fighting off mode to be honest it feels like it alright but you know they've shown that you know they can lose big players before Um, Kukurea that went to Brighton you know that would have been seen as a kind of a a big blow to them coming into this season and yet they found Estepinian who's been arguably better and you know could go for even more money Uh, he isn't the one one of the ones that is kind of on the chopping block as of yet but he's certainly somebody that I would be looking at if I was a a Premier League manager because I think he's he's got that something special as well Um, I'll be really interested to see Luton coming up Um, like I say I was watching the playoff final yesterday and just to see kind of a new club coming up and and somebody who's never been there before Um, I remember Wigan coming coming up as well and, and they kind of hung around for a couple of seasons they're obviously not anywhere close to that now uh, due to off the field problems but if Luton can make a real go of it next year um, if you know Sheffield United coming up you know a couple of Irish players there so I'm really interested to see how next season goes in terms of this season I think there was plenty of storylines um, you know Chelsea being absolute muck for the majority of it was quite enjoyable I think Arsenal really gave it a nice shot but you know City are just this machine and will probably steamroll next year's uh, championship as well so yeah I think it's been a decent season but like you say next season is probably going to be the one Yeah I think somebody really has to push City next year or we will start to get a touch fed up with the situation um, Brian Kerr is on co-commentary alongside Stephen so we'll chat to Brian in advance to kick off half past four all ten games obviously off at the uh, same time We could be in June without Limerick it's absolutely bizarre. Yeah, the Lee McCarthy Cup on the line for the All Ireland Senior Champions. They know if they lose their Munster Round Robin game to Cork today, they will be eliminated from the Championship. Throwing at the Gaelic Grounds is at four o'clock. At the same time, Tipperary will play Waterford in Thurles. A win for the Premier County will book their place in the Munster final alongside Clare. There are three matches in Leinster beginning at two o'clock. My own Wexford will need at least a draw against Kilkenny at Wexford Park or hope Westmeath don't lose to Antrim in Mullingar if they're to avoid relegation to the John McDonough Cup. At Crow Park, we have Dublin meeting Galway. That game is followed at headquarters by the meeting of Dublin and Roscommon in the All-Ireland Senior Football Championship. That's from four o'clock. So I think with respect to Leinster, it's all eyes on Limerick against Cork for obvious reasons. It is in effect, John, a playoff as to who continues into June this season. Limerick's route, they beat Waterford. They were down to 14 men for a good chunk of that game, albeit Waterford weren't out of it with five, ten minutes to go. Lost to Clare, drew a Tipperary, and so they find themselves for the first time since the introduction of the Ren Robin uh, in Munster, not already through with the game to go. As for Cork, they beat Waterford, late surge, earned a draw with Tipperary last weekend. Looked like they'd get a draw in Ennis, but then uh, Clare did their thing via Jeremy Ryan. 
the point has been made widely about Cork that there's a, a sense of rejuvenation, a sense of uh, steel under Pat Ryan. They have goals in them. They have pace. So you figure they're going to give this a really good shot. As for Limerick, everybody's agreed that they're not quite where they were. Nobody can be certain as to what the reason is. Is it mental fatigue, physical fatigue, uh, something gone awry in terms of attitude or maybe just one of those things and actually in uh, two months time we'll all be saying there was nothing to worry about it's hard to know at the moment Well it's a brutal sport at Munster level at the moment Mm. you've got four teams that are quite close together it's an amateur sport you always need to remember it's an amateur game it's not a professional sport Limerick have also completed the set they've beaten everybody along the way to win the three in a row so Tipperary, Clare, Waterford, Cork Galway, Kilkenny they've done everything they needed to do Mm. and only two teams in the history of the game won four in a row Cork in 1944 and Kilkenny in 2009. So in an amateur sport, it's natural to have cycles and dips. Mm. And if Limerick... I could see it when Clare in the late 90s was following them closely at the time. They would be able to produce performances, but not consistently. The consistency would start to drop in the performances. So Limerick could come out today and absolutely obliterate Cork. Yeah, uh, in front of their home crowd and have a real rally here today and Keane Lynch plays better and Garrett Hegarty plays better but then again later in the championship there could be another dip and that I think what, is what happens to teams in cycles and with Kilkenny even though not, in, in a way Kilkenny beat Waterford by remember about 100 points in the yeah. Ireland final the following year they were put to the edge against Tipperary just came through in a, a classic final the next year they were beaten and then they, they came again Kerry the same in the 80s they had their couple of years of defeats, then they came again for another three in a row. Yeah. So that's the, uh, the cyclical challenge for Limerick. Um, the fact that it's at home is a real advantage. Cork, the question with Cork is, do they do the physicality? Uh, and can they get around the physicality of Limerick? That's the question for Cork. Um, Pat Ryan, I think, is a very good manager. I think they've been better this season. But the, the, it's 18 years now. And the kind of question about Cork is, are Cork, have been Cork been a little bit too soft and too brittle? especially through the spine of their team. Mm. And that, that it's absolutely fascinating. And that's why we had such a row, Joe, about, and, uh, about like, the, the free-to-air, because this is the football championship. And Eamon Sweeney's written a really good piece about this today. I'm not excited about the football championship at all, and I, won't, I know I won't be. And maybe people have a different view, and that's absolutely fine. I'm, I'm sure they, you know, people who are footballers have probably a different view. But I'm not excited about the football championship the quarterfinals until I really feel that there's something on the line. And there's nothing on the line at the moment. No. Whereas in the hurling, everything on the line. Hmm. There's only five teams that come with the All-Ireland and one of them will be out today. There's the three monster teams, there's Galway and there's Kilkenny. That's it. Hmm. On the hurling front, by the way, we'll touch on it in more detail. We'll be uh, talking papers with Shane Keegan and Keane Tracy after two o'clock. But uh, the Mail on Sunday, just to let you know, back page, they've, um, well, they've taken his column from inside and, and made it their back page story as well. Their columnist being Michael Dignan, who is also obviously chair of uh, Offaly GA, and so he has he says that Donal Cusack, his position as GPA president is now untenable, and this is in the wake of his Talshin Cup uh, jibe, where he talked about it as a grand national for disappointed also runs. So we'll get into his piece in a bit more depth, but uh, Michael Dignan says on the back of those comments that his position as GPA president is untenable. You can't be talking like that about a competition when you're uh, representing so many members. So Dignan not happy, wants to see Don Logue step down. So uh, Don Logue's had a busy couple of weeks. 
I can see where Dagnan's coming from. Like, you can't be there as GPA president talking about competitions in such dismissive terms. And also when it was so needless, like it was the most, I'm going to detour over here and kick this competition, even though I really don't need to. And it's not even what I'm here to talk about. And then come back to talk about the hurling. It was a strange uh, moment. So... um, I don't know how he'll react to that or whether he'll be asked about it's it It's a mix again. of two roles. He's playing two roles. So That's the problem. That, that, yeah. that. So, therefore, if they get conflated, you've an issue. Yeah, yeah. Because you want your opponent to be brutally honest and yet you want your team and to, it's great. to fight. Uh, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. I, I, yeah, look. Well, it's funny. Or t- it's, it's amazing. We'll, we'll talk about it later on, I'm sure. But, you know, Eamon Sweeney and Joe Brawley in the Sunday Independent in recent weeks have both bombasted RTE's punditry for being dull as ditch water and irrelevant. And Sweeney is now criticising... Mm. Uh, the RT punditry again for like, well, that was a crazy debate to be having, and you know, it wasn't a good debate, but it certainly wasn't dull. Um, so in, in some, it respects, wasn't dull, but win. it was edgy, and I, 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 I feel that the, the best of the RT punditry, how do I say this, it, over the last few decades has when it's been, when it's been colourful and generally controversial, but quite positive. Mm-hmm. Even if like it's Eamon Dunphy or Joe Brady, they'd be making you laugh. Uh, and uh, like there was a frostiness to this one. The, the color needs to make you laugh, mm. and, and 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 for you to go, I can't believe they said that, and chuckle away at home watching it, and Bill O'Hurley be chuckling away. Yeah, uh, that's what you want a bit. This was a touch frostier. Yes, uh, we'll come to it anyways. But uh, that's Michael Dignan, back page of the Mail on Donald Cusack. That is the GA. We'll talk to Rhino Dwyer's at Crow Park in a few moments' time. We're getting uh, in athletics for this to be a bit of a habit. This next story, Aidan. Yeah, uh, Rashida Adelecki has set a new national record in the 400 metres. She broke her own previous best at the NCAA Championships in Sacramento. The Dublin native ran the race in 49.54 seconds. That was the third fastest time in the world this year. I feel like for a lot of us, uh, we wake up in random mornings now and on Twitter we see a 50 second video of Adelecki breaking her 400 metre record. That's kind of where we are at the moment and... um, I do remember a couple of weeks ago after she'd broken another record, Michael Johnson, the legendary 400 metre uh, sprinter, amongst other things, he had quote tweeted her run and he said it was really interesting. I, if you're ever to get him on or, or to get a, a running technician on, you'd love to talk to them about it in more depth. But he said something along the lines of when she learns how to use her arms properly, she's going to be serious, serious. And she's only very new to the 400 metres and maybe how you use your arms might be different. Maybe not. Maybe she's never used them as efficiently as possible. But either way, it was such an interesting technical point, uh, followed by when she, not if, when she cracks that, she's going to be devastating. So we've got a bit of a superstar in our hands here. We do. And last year in the uh, European final in Munich, um, she was almost a second slower, 99 hundredths of a second than she was in the last 24 hours. Yeah and 20 years of age. I think it's good that she's in the college system at the moment and that's good for her. There's a focus to it. There's an academic focus. There's a obviously training focus. She's not into the pro ranks in, in, in inverted commas. Um, and it's, it's just unusual for us to get our heads around, I suppose, the fact that we have, maybe for the first ever time, a sprinter. That's mm-hmm. going to be a, a hope with, if all goes to plan, a medalist at major finals. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. Um, meanwhile, in the golf, Fiona Maguire is going along very nicely. Yeah, she's into the semi-finals of the Bank of Hope LPGA match play in Las Vegas. The Cavan native is unbeaten so far this week and takes on Japan's Ayaka Furu for a place in the final. We also have Tom McKibben in action in the KLM Open. He is one under through 14 today. That leaves him five under all round and in a tie for 19th place. Um, it is Lorazabal who is in a tie for the lead there on 10 under. 
The uh, Formula One season is not terribly exciting, I'm afraid to say. It's a done deal already. I think it kind of seemed to peak with Hamilton and Verstappen a couple of years ago. So Verstappen booed on the podium in America recently because I think fans are already sick of the situation. Does have the glamour in Monaco today. It does, yeah. He is on pole position for the Monaco Grand Prix, which is underway at two o'clock. And a lot of people were saying that Verstappen isn't the greatest on street circuits and this was going to be a chance for the likes of Fernando Alonso to kind of take him out. And then Verstappen just has this amazing last bit of run in qualifying and, and takes pole position. And it's very, very tough to pass anybody out in Monaco. So you just think that if he gets away, if there's no technical problems, it's Verstappen coming in 10, 12 seconds ahead of everybody else. Best driver wins in Monaco. Senna six times, Schumacher five times. The best race to watch. I'd love to be there right now mm. on the yacht outside the tunnel. Mm. John, I hate to break it to you. If you were there, you wouldn't be on the yacht. <laughs> You'd be in the jeep seats. Uh, have you ever been to Monaco? No. No. I have, yeah. yeah it's a strange place. It is. I, was, I mean, stating the obvious, of course, strange place. But I mean, it's a strange atmosphere in that I found it was like the paupers, i.e. the non-millionaires, mm. just walking around watching... The same, like it felt like the same fifty people just, just doing doing their thing. I must have saw the same guy in the same Lamborghini about twelve times, just like driving around. I just kept <laughs> seeing him everywhere, and uh, but I was just people, you know, just just watching the rich folk. I think something like twelve thousand millionaires there. I think so. Yeah, yeah, watching the watches. You're just watching them, and and they're just like <laughs> oblivious, you know. Uh, it's, it's the most charismatic Grand Prix. Yeah, clearly. Aston Martin are coming, though. The Honda deal was interesting. That mm-hmm. announcement during the week of Honda coming to partner with Aston Martin in the next race. Right. And Alonso's done well in the last while. Aston Martin are coming and they've got a bit of money behind them. And look, with all these, once again, like cycles, there's a, like Lewis Hamilton is not going to win another world no. title. We did see, we chatted um, recently to a Formula One expert on the show, the midweek show, and she was saying that um, Formula One authorities, particularly from the American side, are just desperate to even up the cars they just I mean I, I'm in their camp to be honest they find it a little bit frustrating to watch these preordained races where best car is to the fore and you don't get to really see who the best driver is often enough no. so that can't come soon enough I would think and if they want it that will happen yeah because, I would think so uh, since the Netflixization of the sport the entertainment aspect is huge yeah. uh, because it's brought in a swathe of new young people that follow it yeah as other sports have tried to do but haven't you know. and they may be under the false impression that Hamilton Verstappen is what you get every year yeah, yeah. they're in for a bit of a surprise because that's what killed it I think in the 2000s uh, it just was became so uncompetitive for a time well even when I grew up it was Prost Senna and there was both the same team and there was real enmity there yeah So and then it was Schumacher Hill yeah. and Schumacher Villeneuve and then even Schumacher's brilliance was something to be curious about yeah but he had the character um and then it lost something. Well, sport needs personalities. Mm. Max Verstappen, as brilliant as he is, you're going to go for beer with him? I, w- I probably wouldn't. You know, he's pretty interesting, though, to be fair. Like, he's got that... Um, if I had a choice, by the way, I've gone for beer with sports people. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. He do, I mean, he, he's a bit of a killer So I do, and ruthless. So I do find that kind of pathological aspect to him pretty interesting. <laughs> um, but he needs, a, he needs a big rival for sure. Uh, we should just mention as well the Curra today. Yeah, the Tattersalls Irish 1000 Guineas is the feature from the Curra from 3.50. The Dermot well-trained Tahira is the odds-on favourite for that race. 
Uh, if people are out and about and they want some more football talk over this weekend, John Duggan and uh, team picked their Premier League team of the season. I presume you've had lots of abuse in the 24 hours. Yeah, I've, had go, I've been musing Good. a lot of people on Twitter. <laughs> Good. Uh, so. What was your most controversial choice? Sorry, I haven't said uh, Not putting it. Mo Salah in. Not oh, putting Mo Salah? Mo Salah gets in every year. And Who did you have in instead? Saka? Saka, oh, yeah. Okay, like, I guess like, fair enough. Nine of my 11 players were from City and Arsenal. They were, they were the two teams that illuminated the top of the Premier League. And it's an easy thing to judge it on the stats and judge it on this. Not everything's about the stats. Like Kieran Trippier's my team because he's a leader for Newcastle, got them into the Champions League in terms of his leadership, helped them. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily the best player. So sometimes when you're picking a team of the year, you're looking for what you see as opposed to yeah. the optostats. It's a repost to AI, your team. Yes. Uh, John Duggan, thank you very much. All right, Joe. Aiden. Aiden with us for the afternoon. We'll take a short break. We're over to Crow Park next.